Um, we're continuing through our series on Luke uh, in chapter 4 today. Let's just go to prayer here and ask for God's help here. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and just uh, say that uh, we're thankful. We're thankful to be here uh, worshiping uh, with your people, and we're thankful that uh, salvation that's available to anyone is just available. It's by faith in Jesus Christ for the work that he's done on the cross for us um, in, in dying for our sins. Thank you that it's by faith that we are saved. It's um, no one will be able to stand before you and say, I did it. I earned my way. It's all by the grace of God, by faith. And so well, we're thankful for that. We're thankful for your Holy Spirit that you've given every believer. We're thankful for your Holy Spirit that, uh, who helps us, helps illuminate the scriptures, helps us to get it, understand it. We thank you for his convicting work, for his encouraging work. And so, Lord, we pray today, we ask that you would uh, pour out your Spirit uh, on us in a way that we would, we would understand what you're, you're showing us in these passages that Luke has left for us. And um, Lord, we pray that um, our lives would reflect the truth that's here. In Jesus' name, amen. So I wanted to remind folks um, of a couple of things here. One, we, we actually started making real paper notes available. Uh, so it, it's kind of like, you know, the younger generation, they're going back to LPs and records. We're going back to paper notes. Uh, there's still the digital stuff available on version. You know, you can open up your version app, look under events, and you'll see the notes there. Totally fine. But those are available back there. Frank's got some. Uh, and then, uh, so if you want one and you didn't get one, just let, raise your hand real quick. He'll get you one. And then um, they're also available whenever you come in this door over here, um, the main door, and then also in the, um, in the fellowship hall. If you come in that way, it'll always be there, um, Lord willing, moving forward. So, and then the other thing I wanted to mention to you guys that um, we have a monthly newsletter. Some people might not know that. And um, we have hard copies available. They're out there on those tables. They're also pinned up on this um, bulletin board back here in person. But also, you can get it digitally uh, emailed to you every month. And if you want that to happen, you just need to send us an email at info at darbycreek.org and ask us to put you on a newsletter emailing list. And we can do that. Uh, or if you want a hard copy mail to you, we, we have that capability as well. So uh, let us know, but you have to let us know there at info at darbycreek.org. So. All right, so <clears throat> today we are hitting this passage in Luke chapter 4. Um, we're making our way through the book, and uh, today we're starting off here in verse 31. And so we're going to be talking about the authority and the power of Jesus. And it'll be very evident why we're talking about that based on what happens in verses in these verses. So um, uh, it's it's a kind of a I don't know tradition I guess suppose in our uh, church that sometimes occasionally we'll have you stand for the reading of scripture. Uh, so today is one of those days if you're able to stand uh, to stand with us for the reading of scripture and then we will uh, have a seat in just a second. So let me read for you here, um, uh, Luke chapter 4, it's 31 to 44, it says, and he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, ha, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent, come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. And he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she arose and began to serve them. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. 
And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place, and the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. All right, please have a seat. This is the word of the Lord. So, I'm sure that uh, if you've watched sports or even heard in different arenas, uh, the, the phrase, next level, like that person plays at the next level, or they're a next level player. You know, when you think of uh, some NBA stars like, you know, Kevin Durant or Steph Curry, they play at another level, like, uh, or a WNBA, Maya Moore, uh, or I also saw the most decorated female athlete, uh, Olympic athlete, uh, Allison Felix. I mean, she operates at a whole nother level. And so we use that phrase to just really say that no one is comparable to them, right? Uh, no one can even compare. It's a, it's a level above all of the rest. Well, this morning, you know, when, as we read that passage and we hear them talking about uh, Jesus and how he taught, uh, they, they basically were saying he's at a whole nother level. He's at a whole nother level when you look at these verses that we just read aloud, but what they were saying is that, uh, let's just show you the verses again. Uh, it says, and they were astonished at his teaching for his word possessed authority. If you look at Mark's rendition of this account, uh, he says uh, he didn't teach as like one of the scribes. He taught as one having authority. And the scribes would always be, oftentimes they would quote, uh, other people, and tradition. and But Jesus, uh, he was the authority. I mean, it was because of his, uh, who he was, right? His authority comes from his identity. He is God come in the flesh. And so he was speaking as such and speaking as one who had authority. Now, um, it, it, you know, so I can imagine just as they're sitting there hearing his teaching, and of course, you know, it's his habit, we see now, it happened in Nazareth, now at Capernaum, it's his habit to go to the synagogues and teach, right? So he, he was teaching, and um, you could imagine as Jesus is teaching with authority, uh, just as maybe uh, you have experienced when uh, God is working in your heart and the Holy Spirit is working uh, through the teaching of the Word of God, you feel sometimes what people call conviction, or that God is showing you something about yourself that maybe needs to be made right with Him. Or maybe you you realize for the first time what the grace of God actually is, and that it's a, it's a gift, and, and, um, and, and just the Holy Spirit kind of gives you this aha moment uh, about God. And, and this happens uh, when the Word of God goes out with authority and accompanying with the Spirit. And we know Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit, right? That happened at his baptism. So he's, um, so we, we talked about even in his humanity, in his humanity, he needed the Holy Spirit, though he was the God-man, right? And so he spoke as one having authority, and so they really perked up. They're like, there's something different about this, this man. And so obviously, uh, God was using this for him to authenticate who he actually was, um, you know, the Messiah who has come. And so um, my question for us would be maybe, how, how do we see the Word of God? Do we view it? I mean, Jesus himself was not teaching here, right, in person. Um, but but he, um, the Word of God, it says, is living and active, right? It's able to divide the soul and the spirit. It's able to kind of really get to the heart of things in our hearts, right? And so my question would be, do you and I, do we, do, we, do we have the attitude of putting ourselves, if you will, under the Word of God? Do we see the Word of God as authoritative? It is, is it the authority in our lives because it's God's Word, you know, as if God Himself were speaking to us? And, and how you answer that question 
You know, um, we might say yes, uh, just maybe because you know your theology and know that it is the word. The Bible is the word of God, and uh, every word inspired by God, and that inspiration meaning it comes directly from God, not in the sense of inspiration of like, oh, it inspires me to do this or that. Not that kind of inspiration, but but uh, you'll know that you're seeing God's word that way. When God shows you things in His Word, truths in His Word, maybe about relationships, right? Maybe it's about finances. Uh, maybe it's about how He wants you to work at work. Okay? And then you, then you see, oh, this is what God says. I need to do that. Right? I mean, it's a simple thing. And, of course, uh, we do it uh, as Christians. We do it. Uh, with God's help, with His power, with His Holy Spirit inside every believer. But at the same time, it takes an act of our will. We have to submit to the Word of God if it's going to be authoritative. And, and so, you know, my obviously encouragement based on the truth is that we would all accept it as such, and therefore then when it teaches us about things, we line up uh, our lives with it. Okay? And some things are hard. Some things are difficult, right? Uh, even though we know God had, we, we know in our heads that God has our best in mind, there will be things that we read in the scriptures that are hard for us in terms of um, our, our lives and carrying it out uh, because maybe uh, it will be countercultural. Maybe it will be viewed as, why would you do that? You know? Uh, well, we can say, well, because God's word says that. And so, uh, Jesus, they saw Jesus as teaching with authority, and I I just want us to kind of look for application here in terms of, am I living my life, ask yourself, with God's Word over it, right? With God's Word over it. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, he, He never asks us to do anything that He doesn't equip us to do, right? So, so it may be difficult, but you can do it with the power of the Holy Spirit, Right and with faith, okay, it's possible. So, so he was. They saw his teaching as next level. Now, what we see here is uh, in Luke, this um, first recorded miracle. We see Jesus's authority and power over the demonic world. Over the demonic world, and let me just remind you of those verses here. And in the synagogue, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Ha, ah, what have you to do with us? Um, Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. There's a couple things that strike me when I read that. Why is he talking plural? Like It's a man. He says, what have you to do with us? And it's a man in their midst saying this, right? Of course, it's the demon speaking right through him. And so you either have to come to the conclusion that he has more than one demon or the demon is speaking about himself and maybe the man that he's controlling, okay? And so that, it's not that kind of odd because then it says, I know who you are. Isn't that interesting? The demons know who Jesus is. It says, we know you're the Holy One, the one sent from God. We know you're the man. What do you have? Have you come to destroy us? What, what's your purpose here? And then verse 35 says, But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. Uh, and it says, And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done no harm. I think this is interesting, too, uh, that Jesus, it, it just shows you his power and authority over the demonic. He just has to say a word. I mean, there's no incantations. There's no like, you know, turn around five times, jump up and down, yell and scream for an hour, and that demon will come out. No, Jesus says, he rebukes him and tells him to come out. Be quiet and come out, right? And, and that's the authority he has over this demonic realm. And then uh, it says here in verse 36, and they were all amazed and said to one another, what is this word? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits. Uh, and they come out. And the last verse in that section reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. 
I think um, among all the other things that are happening here, I think what Jesus is, do you remember in the previous passage, right, what came before, uh, Jesus was, was quoting Isaiah 66, and he's saying, you know, I've come to set the captives free, right, and all that messianic language of freedom and setting the captives free and all this stuff, all that language, right? Well, he's saying, I've come to proclaim this, uh, this announcement that the kingdom of God has come. And now he's actually demonstrating what happens when the kingdom of God comes near, right? When the kingdom of God comes near. So now we're seeing some physical, uh, what's happening in the real world here uh, when the kingdom of God, uh, you know, is, is experienced in its fullness. And that is deliverance, full freedom, full freedom from the demonic realm. Uh, uh, and none of us knows full freedom. I mean, we're being attacked, okay? meaning that I'm not talking about possession, okay? but I'm just saying we, we're all, as believers, we're attacked. We have an enemy, Satan. Uh, and this is uh, important for us to realize that we have a foe, we have an enemy, he is real, and uh, it's critical that we, that we know that and believe that truth, because if we don't believe the truth that there is the demonic realm and that Satan and the fallen angels, the demons, uh, that if, if we don't think that they exist or that that's kind of somebody's way to explain away, uh, you know, people that have uh, mental health problems, you know, I've heard people say that and say, well, okay, well, that's, you know, that's what we used to, you know, this demonic possession, what we used to call, now we call it mental health issues, you know or, you know, insanity, okay? And I, 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 I mean, I know there are physical issues that there are, you know, there are mental health issues that are not linked to the demonic. So let's get that on the record, okay? But sometimes it can definitely be demonic, okay? It can be. Uh, but, but, but just saying that we, the point here is that, you know, if you don't believe in the devil and demons, that's great for him. That's great. That's exactly what he would love you to do, is to not believe in this realm that you cannot see, but actually uh, is trying to attack and influence your life and your family. And so, um, now, thankfully, as believers, we know the Scriptures tell us that greater is he who is in us, the Holy Spirit, than he who is in the world, the devil and his demons. But nonetheless, okay, we can and I'm not going to go into all this, but we can give the devil a foothold in our lives if we believe his lies, if we willingly uh, dive head into sin and we don't care. And we can; Those are areas where we can give him ground. It can be taken back, okay, because if you're a child of God, he has no place there, okay? But, but uh, just this awareness is important. This awareness is important. And so... Jesus here, I think, is, is also demonstrating, like, in this situation, uh, in, in this little micro picture of what's actually happening on a macro level, right? So, the demonic realm uh, is, is being undone by the work of Jesus, okay? And, uh, and so, Jesus is pronouncing uh, the kingdom of God is near. Right, he's he's pronouncing this kingdom has come message, and and what this means, and I think it's it's good for us to understand that uh, this message about the kingdom of God. Now, some people will say, well, if the kingdom of God has really come, and this kind of stuff happens, then why aren't we free from all sickness now? If it's really come, why are we still battling the demons? If that if that death blow to the demons has really happened, but the thing is, is that we are. If you read the scriptures, you'll see there's, uh, it's really, and the best way I can explain this is what some theologians have coined this, is we are, um, we are in a kind of an in-between time, if you will. Uh, and, and Jesus, when he came, uh, he, he inaugurated, he began something, okay? He began something that's moving towards a final time, okay? When there will be no more sickness, and there will be no more death, and there will be, the demons will be shut down, thrown into the pit with the evil one. I mean, that'll, that'll be the, the final thing, okay? But, 
but Jesus now in this, I think he's giving us in a, in a little microcosm, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an example here, I've come and I'm starting something that's going to march to a conclusion on one day, okay? And, uh, and certainly every believer, okay, has available to them all the freedom that Jesus offers, right? So when, when you are become a citizen of the kingdom of heaven by putting your faith in Jesus, you inherit all the blessings of being a part of his rule and reign, okay? But the rest of the world and the sin-sick world that we live in, uh, where, you know, uh, Satan is called the, the prince of the power of the air, he's the god of this world, small g, the Bible says that. So that's not, the, the mop-up work is yet to be done. The death blow was laid there at the cross and the resurrection, okay? Sin no longer has dominion over any believer, okay? Our relationship to sin is totally changed now. It no longer is Lord over us, okay? We can now say no to sin and yes to God. Do we sometimes not do that? Yes, we sometimes still sin, of course, okay? But the thing is that, that before that, though, the Scripture describes uh, us before becoming believers that we were basically, you know, we were hostile toward God, right? And we were, we were part of this dark domain where Satan rules. And, and I'm not talking about like you're a Satanist before you're a Christian. That we're talking, we're just saying God says you're part of that domain. You're either in his kingdom, kingdom of light, or you're part of the kingdom of darkness, okay? And so, Jesus has come, in this sense, to set the captives free, to be free from sin, free from this demonic uh, uh, attacks and so on. Uh, And he's demonstrating that with this man, this man who has this demon, or more than one demon. So, but I find it fascinating that these demon, the demon says, you are the Holy One of God. Um, it, it, you know, because it, it reminds me that it's not enough to confess the truth. It's not enough to just say, I believe X, Y, and Z, you know, and that's what the Bible teaches. I, just to say it, or even to say you believe it, but you have to possess the faith, right, that goes with that, right? You have to, you have to not just confess the truth, but you must possess faith, okay? That's, that's critical. Because, you know, there's a lot of people that believe a lot of right things that are true about God and Jesus, but, um, you know, they're not believers. They're not Christians. They're not, they're not, they have not accepted Christ as the one and only Savior, okay? And so, um, so it's just important for us to realize this, because the demons even know who Jesus is. They have correct theology on that. They just don't have faith. They don't have faith. So, um, uh, I was reminded of, of you know, of we, you guys remember, might remember the hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, right? And in there, there's a phrase when talking about this spiritual battle. It says, one word shall fell him. Meaning just, just one word can cause Satan to fall or, or, or not attack. You know, and so I... He's getting at, I think in the hymn, the hymn writer's getting at that knowing the truth of God, and as the attacks come, it just takes coming against him with the truth and believing it, and he has to flee. As you submit to God, you resist the devil, he will flee from you. It says that, okay? And so, um, we see Jesus here, you know, flicking these demons out like fleas off a dog. I mean, they just have to obey him. They have to, okay? It's not like, you know, you got to realize, too, that Satan and his minions are not like, uh, like it's not a yin and yang thing. It's not like where they're kind of, who's going to win, you know? No, we know he wins, okay? And Satan and the demonic realm only have, they're on a leash. They're on God's leash, and we don't understand it, but they have a purpose, okay? We don't, I, know that, I know that doesn't compute. But they do have a purpose, okay? Because God is sovereign, okay? It's not like these guys are beyond guys, God's control, okay? 
So uh, I think, again, I think our takeaways here on this particular section are just there is a demonic realm. You need to believe in it. You need to realize you have an enemy, right? And uh, knowing the truth, uh, right, those, 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 um, your, your weapons for warfare in Ephesians chapter 6, and the things that come to mind too just in that Ephesians 6 package are prayer and also the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Okay? There are other um, elements to the armor of God, but just meant thinking of those two, um, those are um, help us come against the enemy. It's interesting too that whenever you take, whenever you take a step of faith and you're obeying God and you're you're doing His will, maybe it's maybe you've decided that you're going to be intentional about reaching people for Jesus. You're going to love them, try to reach people for Jesus. And I'm telling you, without fail, you will get opposition. There will be opposition from the enemy because Satan does not want you to get uh, intentional about your faith. He doesn't want you to certainly get intentional about opening your mouth about Jesus to people, right? Um, So so you're going to get pushback. You just need to um, anticipate it, right? And and, and ask God to help you recognize it for such. And then you go to prayer when you sense that's what it might be, right? Because I'm telling you, it's a battle for people's souls. That's what it is, okay? And we have to... We have to be willing to engage, but you just got to realize you take you take any effort personally, as a church, right, as a small group, whatever, uh, to take steps of faith to trust God, do His will. You will get pushback. Just be ready, okay, and know that again, uh, greater is He who is in you than He who is in the world. Now, um, let me mention to you some different ways that we see in the Scriptures how spiritual warfare comes into play. I just mentioned uh, implied evangelism, right? Um, in, uh, in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, just jot this down, this reference, 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, it says, in their case, the God of this world, that's Satan, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. You see, the enemy, Satan, one way he operates is by putting blinders over people's eyes. You know, it's all about Jesus. You talk about God all you want, but you start talking about Jesus, the enemy takes notice, okay? And Because he does not want people to believe who Jesus really is and that, and to see how glorious it is what he came to do, and that he did it for them. He doesn't want them to get that. So, um, any any of us um, who are who are Christians now, before we were Christians, we were spiritually blind. That's that's that is real. Okay? Spiritually blind, unable to really connect the dots, if you will. It doesn't mean there was something cognitively wrong. Is there something spiritually wrong? Okay. Um, and so, um, so we just have to realize that when you are engaging in some form of outreach, get prayed up. Pray for those people. And after you've, uh, whatever the interaction might be, after you're done, to say, Lord, whatever seeds were planted, I pray that the enemy would not snatch them up. I pray that they would yield fruit. You need to pray for those people, okay? Because now they're on the front lines if they weren't before, okay? Pray for people. 2 Timothy 2, write this down. 2 Timothy 2, 25 and 26 says, um, it's, it's written to a young pastor, Timothy. Paul's writing him. And here's what he says to, uh, about pastors. He says they're servants. He calls them servants of the Lord. But it says uh, what, the, what those pastors ought to be doing. Correcting, pastors ought to be correcting their opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps, so that God may perhaps grant uh, them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth, meaning if there's people, if pastors or church is getting opposition, uh, false teaching, whatever, you need to gently point the truth out to them so that it says they, that God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth. But then it says, here's the verse 26, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. 
So we just get, we're just getting a picture here of how, the, how Satan and his demons are working on people that don't know the Lord, capturing them to do his will. Okay? I mean, this is real. And again, we, people often go to the extreme and they think Satan worship. I've known Satan worshipers, okay? I, I've talked with Satan worshipers. I'm talking, this, is not, this is not just saying just Satan worship. This is like just your average Joe and Susie out in the world, okay? Blind to the gospel. God loves them. And Satan has them blinded, right? And they need to hear the gospel and have the opportunity that the Holy Spirit would drop the scales from their eyes, right? But you need to be prayed up. That's what I'm saying. You need to go into this realizing there is a battle going in. It's not... You will not be able to convince anybody of any truth of Christianity on your own. I don't care how good you are at apologetics, studied out how to defend your faith. You should, you should be shored up on all that. But I'm just saying, uh, you can have the perfect argument, but, but it won't matter unless the Holy Spirit is working, right, and we're engaging in that spiritual battle through prayer, okay? I, I told you guys, man, when I, was, <laughs> when I was out sharing the gospel one time, long time ago, went to this guy's door, and I'm telling you, I could have said, Mary had a little lamb, his name was Jesus, and this guy would have knelt and prayed the sinner's prayer right there. It wouldn't matter. He was ready. I came to the door, and he's like, my roommates and I were just talking about this. Please come in and tell us the gospel. It was like, I couldn't believe it. It was incredulous, but I shouldn't be. I shouldn't have been. So I'm just saying, you know, pray up. Pray up and, and realize when you are trying to reach people and love on them for Jesus, uh, pray about that and be ready. Also, you know, spiritual warfare, um, the devil looks for opportunities when we're angry. Did you know that? When we're angry. Um, Ephesians uh, 4, 26 and 27 says, be angry. And do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And what? Give no opportunity to the devil. Give no opportunity to the devil. Yeah, I can think of many times when when I was in my sin. Now, it's not a sin to be angry. Okay, let's get that straight. That's anger is like anger is what they typically call it's a secondary emotion. There's something under that that's causing you to be angry, right? That, that's making you mad, okay? But I can think of times where in my sin, I was angry in a, in a discussion, if you will, with my wife, okay? I, I know it's hard to believe. I know, I know you guys don't ever have that problem. I'm sure I'm the only one. But, but, but you know, but I'm telling you, when that happens and, um, and I don't deal with it, the devil tries to get right in between Linda and I. That's what he's, you know. Now, I'm not saying we blame the devil for everything. I'm telling you, it's not like the, you can't be like, you know, Flip Wilson. My goodness, don't ever be like Flip Wilson, okay? And some of you might not even know who he is, but, but he'd always say, the devil made me do it, you know? I know, yeah, exactly. But, but you know, certainly the devil is at work, but also he, he's an opportunist, right? Just like we see here. And one of the opportunities he looks for is when we're, when we're angry. And uh, we got to deal with it and get to the bottom of it, pray through it, ask for God's help, see what's setting that off, right? And, um, and then in the case of couples like myself, uh, more times than not, it's, I'm the problem. And so I, I need to uh, initiate a restoration in our relationship and, in, and humble myself and say I was wrong, right? Uh, and, and just confess it and ask forgiveness. That's true. doesn't matter if you're married, right? In relationships. Satan loves it when people are mad at each other. He doesn't want them to get along, especially in the church, because if, if he can get the church off mission and fighting about X, Y, and Z, that's not, not anything to do with the mission, um, you know, then, then he, he's got us where he wants us. Now, last thing I'll mention here uh, is just pride, pride in spiritual warfare. Um, Satan loves for us to think highly of ourselves um, more, more than we should. Okay, we ought to have a, 
I think that's it's in, in Romans. I think it talks about how we ought to have an accurate understanding of ourselves um, in terms of how we see ourselves. Um, and so, uh, but but we need to make sure though that we don't get puffed up and we we become uh, uh, prideful. And in First Timothy three, when it's talking about characteristics of an elder, okay, a church leader, an elder, it says. Um, one of, the, one of the qualities, it says, it should not be a new believer. And listen to the reason why. So that he will not become conceited or prideful and fall into condemnation incurred by the devil. In other words, fall into the same condemnation that the devil had. The devil, it was his pride. He wanted to be like God. That's why he fell. Okay? And so, there's simply saying, you know, a younger believer being put in a position uh, you know, as a sh- an over-shepherd of the church is not a good idea because the enemy might try to use that to puff them up, like from the position point of view, being in a, a position of leadership. Okay? So we have to be careful. War- warfare is real, right? And Luke wants us to see the victory of, uh, over Satan that Jesus was, was achieving here. Okay? He's inaugurated the kingdom coming. He's begun something. Right, it's happening. Right, and ever since Christ came, and uh, there will be a day again when this will all be buttoned up, and Satan will be thrown into the the lake of fire, and 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 that'll that'll be the end of that. Okay, so so um, now um, we need to keep moving. Got all crank up on demonic stuff. Okay, so um, the next thing you see is um, is how uh, we have. He has authority, Jesus has authority and power over sickness, over sickness, okay? So um, let's take a look at that passage again. It says, and he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, uh, and they appealed to him on her behalf. So they're going to Simon's house. His mother-in-law is there. She's sick, and they're asking Jesus, hey, could you heal her? Uh, she's in a bad way. And I think this is so cool because the other miracle that we just saw, the deliverance there of that man that was um, possessed by a demon, you know, that was in front of all these people, right? which is fine. But here you have this little private moment in someone's home. And Jesus, it just reminds us, Jesus is so personal with his dealings with us. He cares about you individually. He cares about your family. Enough that here's just like, you know, just a regular request. You know, we're not asking Jesus to provide us free meals by miraculously for a month, you know, or whatever. He's just saying, would you, would you pray that she would be healed? Would you heal her? And that's the request. And so, so just remember that, you know. Uh, you can ask Jesus anything, okay? Um, and uh, you know, as you read as you read the scriptures, you you kind of learn. Okay, well, uh, um, people get all hung up on. Uh, I mean, you, you want to have good theology, okay? But people get so worried about um, how their their words when they're praying, right? As you grow as a Christian, you got good Christians around you. They're going to help you with that, okay? Uh, you know, and, and that's why I say how you how you how do you? I learned good theology by hearing people pray, okay? By being around solid Christians and hearing them pray. Not that I couldn't pray my own way, right? Uh, but, but in other words, you know, um, I guess I could ask God for a Lamborghini. I don't know if he wants me to have one. There's not a problem with having a Lamborghini, I don't think. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm saying I don't, it's not sin in and of itself. Um, and, and so, but I, I don't, uh, you know, I don't know what I'd do with it if I had it. But, um, but I'd probably give it to Doug. <laughs> and he could take it on the test track at, at mid-Ohio or something. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, no hitting. No, we're not doing that. Yeah. But uh, but I guess I'm just saying that, you know, take take everything to God in prayer here, right? You, you What your concerns? You need healing? Pray for it. You, someone you love needs healing? You pray for it, right? Um, and you trust God with the outcome, right? And so it says he arose. Uh, okay, so the next verse. And he stood over her. So now here we are. So they asked him to pray for prayer. Simon's uh, mother-in-law, he stood over her and he rebuked the fever and it left her. And immediately she ro- rose and began to serve them. Okay, 
Uh, I love this for a lot of a lot of reasons, but I was thinking about this like, you know, it wasn't like, and she started to get better. No, she was better. She just got up and started doing stuff, okay? She was totally healed. It wasn't like this progression. He just, boom, rebuked that fever. And so, so you know, here is the one, uh, you know, who, who was, you know, created the universe with a word, right? Um, Jesus, uh, pre-incarnate, right? Uh, but we know that Jesus, you know, the, the three persons of the Trinity, right? God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. So God the Son existed because he's equal with God, right? He existed for all time. And so he, but he, we see, he created the universe, right? So he knows how every cell in your body works. He designed it, okay? Uh, he designed it. And so all he had to do was say, hey, you know, whatever was wrong with her body, you know, he made it right. That's just so amazing to me, you know? And, and he, he still does heal today. I mean, God can heal Anytime God chooses for, um, I'll put it this way, the kingdom of God to come near, like is happening here, like fully here. Because, you know, when we, we all, all believers will experience the fullness of the kingdom of God when we are in heaven, when we're with God, okay? Um, so that's where we know there's, there's none of this stuff going on, no sickness or anything, right? But, but when God chooses to miraculously heal, heal somebody, that's what's happening, right? What's being done on earth is what is done in heaven, okay? That's what's happening. And so he, he does still do that today. I know he does heal people. Um, we don't control it. You don't control God, okay? Um, that's why I never, I mean, I personally never understood healing services because it's like you kind of presume upon God that he's going to do this work, okay? But, uh, uh, but, but anyway... We, we should realize that, you know, if somebody's sick, we should pray for them for God to heal them. Does that mean that you throw uh, medical knowledge and doctors out the window? No, absolutely not, right? Um, God, that's a gift from God, I believe, that he's given us that knowledge and those skills of those people in that, in that uh, line of work, and we're so thankful for them. But also, you know, I'm sure if you talk to doctors that have been around any, any length of time, they'll say they'll have some many unexplainable things happen with patients, things that don't make any sense medically, right? And so God does still heal, and we should, we should see and seek him for that. Uh, but again, we're kind of in this already and not yet state of things um, where the kingdom of God has been inaugurated in the world and uh, in that it's, it's heading to a conclusion. So um, now, you know, there, there is something greater um, that all of us need, that every person needs beyond physical healing. Okay? Wouldn't it be great if every person that you know and love was physically healed? I would say, yes, that would be great. Right? Um, but more so than that, they need to experience Jesus Christ as their Savior and have their soul healed, okay? and their soul be made right with God. That's more important than anything else. Uh, and again, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to be like, um, you know, not, I'm not trying to be like not compassionate or anything, because we, we do want to take people to God through prayer, through healing. We definitely do. And, um, but realizing too that, um, you know, a Christian has a, 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 who has a biblical worldview, and all Christians should, I think, have a biblical worldview, uh, is saying that this, this is temporary, Okay. What we got going on here, it's fun, it's great on this earth. We have, there's joys here. Yes, there's sorrows, but there's something much better, right, and, and uh, where we're headed, and, and that is if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, you will be with Him in, he in heaven forever. You will be with Him in the new heavens and the new earth, and, and, and it's going to be, we haven't seen nothing yet, right, uh, so to speak. And so this is the thing, is we have to realize that, that, in our own lives, if we encounter sicknesses that might take us to death, you know, we have to, we, though it will be hard, and I don't know anything about that personally, other than having lost people very near and dear to me, but, but personally, I've not faced an illness that could lead to my death. One day I will, unless the Lord Jesus comes back. My body's going to run down. This is going to happen, okay? Uh, and so, 
So the most important thing, this is my point, is that people would be made right with God and that they would know actually they're not right with God if they don't know Jesus as their Savior. That is the most important thing, bar none. Because if somebody has, you know, I've, I've watched this series. I can't remember if I told you about it. You know, I'm, I'm a little bad on my memory these days, speaking of, you know, aging and all that. Well, so Chris Hemsworth, the guy that plays Thor, have I told you about the Limitless series on Disney? Okay, I've been watching that. And uh, so he's trying to lengthen his life. And he's doing all these things. And I don't think there's anything wrong with what he's doing. Like, he's, he's learning how to reduce his stress. I think that's a good thing. Totally agree with that. Oh, I could probably, I learned some things from that episode. And then, but, but then, uh, and I'm not going to blow it all, here, but at the very end, the last episode on aging. Has anybody seen this? Okay. They basically like say, you need to embrace the fact that your body is going to die. It's going to age. And they suited him up in this outfit that made him like an 80-year-old person having trouble getting around uh, these rubber bandy type things. And he was, you know, here's Chris Hemsworth, you know, Thor, you know, kind of like me. Yeah. And uh, no, not. <laughs> That was in another life, or never. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, but yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, anyway, but but just you know the inevitability, right? And what I want, a part of me was like, oh, you know, uh, um, so what they were trying to do, and they they were trying to get uh, trying to get the message out that you know embrace aging. That was kind of like the point. Um, and your life's not over yet, even then. You know, it's like embrace it. And what, but I just wanted to say, it's not about more time. It's not, because everybody's got a day when that clock's running out here, right? And it, it's about do you know the Lord, and our, and if we know Him, are we living for Him and loving on people the way He wants us to right now? Okay? And so. So we just got to realize that. And that was Jesus' priority, um, you know, his priority uh, as we go here. And the last couple of verses is just, um, it, he reminds us, and when it was day, he departed and went to a desolate place, and the people sought him and came to him and, and would have kept him from leaving. And, hey, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't seek out the guy that can heal you? You take your loved one, and you're like, you know, my dad has, you know, you can say my dad hasn't walked for X number of years or he's born, you had a kid born lame. All these things or couldn't hear or couldn't see. I mean, who would not, you know, go over mountains to see him? You can understand why they were after him. But they sought out, right? Um, and it says, but he said to them, I must, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. And then it says he just kept on going. And uh, it's just a good reminder. Jesus came to proclaim the kingdom of God. He demonstrated it for us here. He showed us what happens when that kingdom of God is inaugurated and it comes, heaven meets earth. People get healed. There's deliverance. And and, uh, it's amazing. Amazing. And so, um, but, but, just like Jesus, and I mentioned this last week, so I'm not going to spend hardly any time on this, but just like Jesus, you know, our mission too is proclamation. We can't forget that. We have to tell people the good news, right? We have to tell people the good news. It's, it's, the, it, you know, it's the cure for their soul, right? And, and you know, there's nothing worse than, than, than having a real problem and not knowing about it, Right? And, uh, you know, and if you don't know you're not right with God, I would, you know, when the Holy Spirit's working, you're like so thankful that somebody told you, right? I had um, one of my roommates from college texted me two days ago. His name is Donnie Hale. He texted me, he says, today, this was on Saturday, he says, today was 40 years ago, I accept Jesus as my Savior. He said, I'm so thankful for you guys in our little pod there at the Ohio State University, that God used you. And then he asked me for my brother-in-law's number because Tim Herring had such a major impact on his life as well. And so 
It was just like, you know, he knew what he knows what matters. That day mattered. And what led up to that day, right? God drawing him to himself. I mean, Donnie was a rush freak, man. He loved Rush the band. And nothing wrong with that. Okay. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Uh, but but uh, and he was he was not only that, he was rushing for fraternity. I could see him going down this road. And nothing wrong with fraternities. I mean, there's a lot of things that can be misunderstood by things that I say. Okay. <laughs> But you got you got to know me, like like the idea is like well, you know, because um, I knew I guess maybe I'm kind of like I'm looking at it through my lens, like I know what would have been a problem for my heart, right? And uh, you know, and so so, but God just showed up, but the gospel was going out in our little suite, okay? Because one guy named Tim Herring who was scared out of his mind. He would tell you, he would drink aloe vera because his stomach was so, I would never do it anyway, but he drank because his stomach was so upset to go up into the dorms to talk to people about Jesus. Okay? But he did it. Okay, uh, And I'm not saying every delivery of the message has to be in that way. I'm not saying that. But at some point, you've got to open your mouth. Got to. I mean, they can't. They can't read your mind. We haven't got that yet. Okay, so you got to open your mouth at some point, right? And by God's grace and the Holy Spirit working, He saves some. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much um, for the grace of God. We thank you, God, that uh, anyone here who has uh, put their faith in Jesus has experienced. Uh, the working of the Spirit in their lives to bring them to the point of faith, whether it was growing up in a family of faith or maybe it was uh, having no experience with church at all, but um, for the Holy Spirit uh, bringing people into their lives, into our lives to be a witness and to tell us about the kingdom of God and that Jesus is the King and that He is worthy of our worship and His Word is worthy of our submitting to it. Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us to be thankful for all that you've done. And uh, Lord, we just uh, help us to be aware of that spiritual warfare that is ever-present around us. And uh, Lord, we just uh, ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.